Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. Hey, hey, friends. I'm so excited about this episode. I'm going to be talking all about using content as a course lead-in. And yes, even if you are not creating courses and have no intention of creating courses, you can still use most of the things we're going to be talking about this and just map them to the service that you offer, right? But that said, this is something I'm really excited about. I feel like it's something that's not being done very well in this space. There's not a lot of information on how to do this. There's a whole bunch of programs on how to create a good course, a whole bunch of programs on how to create a great sales funnel for your course, but there's really nothing out there on how to use your content to naturally lead in where your course is in the next right step for your people. So that said, before we dive into that, I do want to reference a review that the podcast recently got from Cher Hill. She said, I listened to Brittany's conversation with Buzz about SEO, and it gave me so many good ideas for not only the kind of content I could be creating, but also the guidelines within which I need to be creating it. There were such tangible takeaways that I know are going to positively impact my marketing strategy. Uh, Cher, thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. And in addition to that, I really like how she wrote her review. She, yes, she referenced, you know, tangible takeaways, which we will be having plenty of in this episode, but also that there are guidelines and constructs for what you should be creating content in. And that is what I intend for this episode to be. I intend it to be a really good meat and potatoes episode. And because of that, I want to kind of just start by referencing, this might be an episode where you listen and it makes you start thinking and you're like, hmm, and you might start feeling a little guilty. Oh, I haven't been doing that right. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, I have to add that to my to-do list. And that is not the intention with which I recorded this episode. It's not at all the intention. So I want to kind of preface it with that. I'm going to be giving you some really good guidelines on how to use your content as a course lead-in how to kind of create a path for people to find you and then naturally progress to your course when the timing is right for them. But that doesn't mean if you haven't done it this way so far, that you are inherently wrong. Maybe you can make a few tweaks, get better, right? That whole 1% better thing, I do believe in it. But don't feel like it's a huge new list of things that you need to do. And then I also want to let you guys know that coming up after this episode, we have a month-long series on how to use courses to expand your service provider business. Again, not everyone has to do courses, but it is a good right step for a lot of people out there. Not everyone. So the same thing applies to the next coming month or so. I had an episode just a couple weeks ago about being intentional with your content, and I have mapped out a podcast schedule for this year that is just that. I am being more intentional with my content to help my best clients in this audience really take their business in a direction that helps them achieve the results they are desiring. So that's kind of where we're at, state of the union, if we will. I'm probably timed somewhat appropriately to talk about state of the unions in the US here at least. So that's where we're going to be starting with. All right. Now, on to our actual meat and potato content using your content creation time as a natural path to your course. I want to start off by referencing the content runway and the fallacy of the content runway as I was originally taught, at least. There are people out there, big name gurus, 
I'm probably guessing that you can figure out who I'm talking about, who say that you need a four week or a six week, or, or maybe they even go crazy and say, you know, an eight or 12 week content runway. You do, but that's also not nearly enough. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why that is. One, you need at least 20 touch points. By touch points, I mean times your audience has seen you talk about your course or content topic. You need those 20 touch points because today's world is very, very noisy. <laughs> and as we heard from Lisa Simone Richards a few weeks back on this podcast, uh, that doesn't mean 20 touch points all on what platform. There's a difference between an audience building content strategy and a nurturing your current audience content strategy. So, you know, maybe your email list is a great place. We're not talking about 20 touch points just on your email list or 20 touch points just on your Instagram profile. They've seen your name and message in 20 different times. And maybe some of those are, you know, guesting on somebody else's podcast or, you know, being a guest speaker in someone else's Facebook group. Maybe that means that in a online networking group, they've seen your name mentioned or you're actually one of the members talking about things in there, right? Maybe they've seen you on Instagram and on LinkedIn. I am simply saying with those 20 touch points, we need to cut through the noise. So how are you going to make that happen in today's very noisy world? It means you need more than four weeks of a content runway before you launch your course. You need to know whether your audience is ready for a course. And for that to happen, you really need a long extended time period that you are using content to lead into contacting you, lead into getting them on your sales page, lead into them applying for a call. All of that needs to happen before you launch your course. All right, it's pouring buckets outside right now. I'm really hoping that you guys can't hear that on this recording. It is a very Portland rainy day here. So if that's the case, you're getting a little extra bonus with this episode. And that's probably going to be a pretty consistent thing, which is perfect for our next point here. Your content runway is something that you need to do. I'm not saying don't have a content runway. What the content runway, as I was taught it by said guru, got right, is that you do need to be consistent. Are you emailing your email list the same day of every week so that they know they can expect it? Are you approximately, I'm saying approximate because no one's perfect here, right? But are you approximately putting the same number of posts out on LinkedIn or on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you are, right? If you have a Facebook live schedule, are you going live at the same time of day and preferably the same day of the week every week? Again, if you want in-person interaction, or even on Instagram, timely interaction with your posts, right? People need to know what to expect from you. Being, you know, really present one week and like every single day showing up live or, you know, having posts is great. It's really good to do a visibility push. But if you immediately follow that up by not touching your platform for three weeks, it's not doing you any favors. And when you are consistent like this, you need to remember that being repetitive is necessary. Everyone seems to say, no, 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 I already said that last week, or I feel like a broken record. I've just, I've said that all the time. But your audience doesn't feel that way. In fact, it's often you who are the only person who feels like they're being repetitive. Your audience needs that repetition because the first time they're barely paying attention. The second time they're just kind of glossing over it. The third time they might actually read it, but again, noisy world, they probably forget it 30 seconds later. The fourth time they might start 
understanding, like actually comprehending what you're saying. The fifth time, they'll start thinking about it even after they finished reading it. Maybe the thinking goes on for a half hour. Maybe it pops up as they're going to bed that night, right? That's how people actually pay attention. And just as a little aside here, if someone in your audience actually complains, like they actually have the balls to do that, that you're repetitive, take it with a grain of salt. If they've noticed your message is that repetitive and they're still not buying from you, they're never going to buy from you. They're just not your people. So don't feel like being repetitive is a problem. Being repetitive actually shares with people that your brand promise remains the same, that you are consistent, that you know what you're talking about and you're willing to shout it from the rooftops because you believe in it that much. It helps you build authority. Third, is your content creating an open loop that leads to your bread and better offer? I'm going to say that again because it was something that really took a long time for me to understand. Is your content creating an open loop that leads to your bread and better offer? So the open loop is getting them on board, helping them have a quick win, maybe answering problems numbers one and two on a one through 10 scale, and letting them know that to answer problems three through 10, they need to buy your offer. Now, this is not a bait and switch thing. I'm not saying give people a false win. I'm saying give them a quick win. Why do we do that? We want them thinking differently about their problem or their goal. Whatever the problem is that they don't want to have or the goal that they have not yet achieved. We want them thinking differently about that. Why do we want them thinking differently? Well, it's that old adage, right? Whatever got you to where you are right now, you haven't fixed your problems. You need to think about it differently to actually fix the problems and achieve the goals. You want to make your audience realize that all the things that they have tried haven't worked for a reason. What is that reason? That is what your content needs to address. And then as the secondary part of this, kind of the corollary, you want to make them understand that this free piece of content you have out there in a podcast, in a YouTube live, this free piece of content is not the end solution. It's only the solution to the beginning of the problem. What does that mean? Well, again, let's, you know, have a hierarchy of problems, one through 10, all on the same topic, right? The first problem is really usually realizing that there is a problem. The second problem is realizing that you need to make a change or you need to add something to your life or release something from your life to actually see the rest of the problem. And those are the quick wins that you can offer in your free content. But when you offer those quick wins, don't let them think, oh, yay, I fixed this thing and now I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. Because if you allow that to happen, they're not going to realize you're an actual authority because you're only going to help them with a tiny little part of it. And they're going to think that that's all you do. So you need to be very explicit, very clear when you're putting free content out there that you want to help them get this little thing so they see you as part of the solution to fixing the next level of the problem. How do you do this? Well, here's a little hint. Look at the features and benefits of your offer on the sales page and map it back to which worry your best client has that that feature answers. These are the problems that you address in your content. So as an example, when I was putting together my client Janet Allison's sales page for her Decoding Your Boy, Less Yelling, More Connecting program, we mapped out a bunch of worries that parents of boys have about raising their child. 
And then we mapped all of those worries to features in her year-long program. Okay, you're worried that your boy has stopped caring about school. So one of the features of her program is how to help him create a plan and stop procrastinating over his schoolwork. It's as simple as that. What are your audience members? And specifically, what does your best client most worry about? And then address that in your content. Help them get the first, you know, one or two portions of that rectified in one of those quick wins that your content can offer. And then let them know you're going to run into other hurdles. We cover that in this program. It's as simple as that. All right, guys. So for a little recap here, we talked about why we want to use content as a course lead in. We talked about the fallacy of the content runway as it has been taught by so many of the course creation gurus out there. We talked about when you need to start your content runway. And we talked about what the content runway got right. And that is consistency and being repetitive. And then finally, we talked about how to create an open loop with your content that leads to your bread and butter offer, whatever that happens to be. In this case, probably the course that we're talking about. But if you're not a course creator and don't want to be, your open loop content needs to lead to your service offer. If you're a website designer, it probably needs to lead to why your website isn't performing. The website I would create for you would do this and accomplish this, right? If you are a you know, fitness instructor, whatever that bread and butter offer is, whether it's like online personal training, you need to create open loops that lead to that offer. And with that recap, I want to give you a little sneak peek about what we have coming up ahead. This next four weeks, I'm going to be covering a series with a few guests as well as me on what you need to do to be a course creator. I mean, obviously, you need to know what you're talking about, right? You need to know how to distill that information into a good course. Mike Grega has us covered on that. As an instructional designer that's worked in the government for 20 plus years, he's got all the information you need to know on how to create a good course, i.e. one that actually gives your clients results. You need to also make sure that you're not giving away the farm. You don't want to cannibalize your bread and butter offer with your course. You also don't want to cannibalize your course with your content, right? So my solo episodes are going to be helping you there. Uh, You need to make sure that you have a value ladder in which it makes sense for your people to naturally ascend from your free content to an entry-level offer, whether that's, you know, a small slow or a lower-priced course into your more special like bread and butter offer, which might be one-to-one service, or it might be a mastermind, you know, whatever it happens to be, right? And then you also need to determine if your audience is ready for a course. And I have Jess Rodriguez on deck to talk all about that. How you can create a course, even if you don't have a huge audience, is the topic that we'll be covering with Jess. So I'm really excited for these next few weeks of, of episodes for you guys. And I can't wait for you to see what we have in store. Now, if you have found value from this episode, it's definitely a little bit meatier than some of my more philosophical episodes, right? If you enjoy this, will you please do me a favor and hop onto your favorite podcast platform and leave a honest five-star review? I love reviews that tell me exactly which episode you found a ton of value in because it helps me realize That while I am, yes, being intentional with my content and creating a content plan throughout the year, I have the ability to shift that, to fine tune it, shall we say, when I know which episodes hit home more for people. 
All right, friends, all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the month. We'll be coming back soon with all of these course creation guest episodes.